This is People Every Day. Coming up, why former Little Mix singer Jesse Nelson is being called out online for blackfishing and what her pal, Nicki Minaj, has to say about it. Plus, breaking down the controversy surrounding former NFL coach John Gruden and Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly get candid about their wild relationship. It's October 12th. Hello there. This is People Every Day, and I'm your host, Janine Rubenstein. It is Tuesday, and it's a little chilly out where I am, so I want to start off with a headline that will warm your heart. A three-year-old boy named Christopher Ramirez, who was lost in the woods for four days, was found alive and well this past weekend, and now the Good Samaritan, who found him, is speaking out about what happened. So last Wednesday, the boy chased after his dog into the woods near his home in Plantersville, Texas. The dog ended up coming back, but he did not. Meanwhile, a local man named Tim Halfin was in Bible study when he learned of the search going on for the boy, and he felt compelled to pitch in. And thankfully, he did, because this is how he describes finding little Christopher in the woods on Saturday, about five miles from where he was last seen. Christopher, is that you? And then he he, he speaks again. I'm like, you're like, praise God. That's Halfin speaking to ABC. Ugh, so wonderful. And I just can't imagine how thankful the boy's parents must be. Another happy note for you coming from the first family, President Joe Biden's nephew, 42-year-old Cuff Biden Owens, has tied the knot. On Monday, he married former Real Housewives of Orange County star Megan King, who's 37. It was a small family wedding at Owens's parents' home in Kennett Square, Pennsylvania, that both the president and first lady attended. But much of the discussion online has been about King's dress choice. She wore an off-the-rack white blazer mini dress by Rosario, that she bought online, which is fitting because she got her hubby online too. She and Owens met on a dating app. So there you have it. Congrats.com to them. All right, now for a somber update in the case of Gabby Petito, who was found dead inside a Wyoming national park last month following a cross-country road trip with her fiance, Brian Laundrie. We now know how she died. Teton County Coroner Dr. Brent Blue announced today that Petito was strangled to death. As far as the uh, time of death, uh, we are estimating three to four weeks from the time that uh, the body was found. Of course, the search for Laundry, who was allegedly last seen leaving his parents' home on September 14th, is ongoing. All right, on to something else we have to talk about today. Football. No, really. (laughs) I know people every day might not be your go-to source for NFL news, but every now and then there's a story so big that we need to unpack it. And today is one of those days. If you've been online, you've probably seen the name John Gruden floating around. He was the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders until last night when he resigned after reports emerged that he used racist, homophobic, and misogynistic language while he worked as an analyst for ESPN. In a statement issued by the Raiders, Gruden said in part, I love the Raiders and do not want to be a distraction. Thank you to all the players, coaches, staff, and fans of Raider Nation. I'm sorry I never meant to hurt anyone. This all kicked off about a week ago when emails related to a separate NFL investigation were leaked to the Wall Street Journal and New York Times. So here to help me break it down is People's Lindsay Kimball. Hi, Lindsay. 
Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. This is a lot. So let's take folks to the beginning. First and foremost, who is John Gruden, if they don't know? And when was he a coach? When was he an analyst? Yeah, um, like you said, John's had a dual career. He started his football career back at University of Tennessee in the 80s and then transitioned from college football to the NFL at the beginning of the 90s. He was actually the Raiders head coach years ago uh, for the first time in 1998, and he stayed there until joining the Buccaneers in 2002. He won a Super Bowl with the Buccaneers and then took about a decade-long hiatus, became a commentator for ESPN, uh, and then decided to come back to coaching uh, with the Raiders in 2018. Got it, got it. So walk us through the timeline of these emails. When were they sent? What did they say? And and why have we seen them? So these emails encompass about a seven-year period. They were uncovered by the NFL as part of an investigation into a different issue with the Washington football team. Then they were covered by the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. They include racist remarks that Gruden made about uh, the NFL Players Association president. They're also sexist remarks about female referees in the league. He made homophobic remarks about openly gay players, as well as Commissioner Roger Goodell. He used a derogatory term for President Biden. It's just a trove of inappropriate language, inappropriate remarks, and... It's all coming out right now because of an unrelated investigation. Goodness, goodness. This is interesting. So one of the craziest aspects of this story is that league officials discovered these emails during that separate investigation, as you said. So so how does the Washington football team and its former president, Bruce Allen, factor into all of this? Take us into that. A few years ago and, and into 2020, there were allegations uh, about workplace misconduct at the Washington football team, including... Uh, that a former Washington football team senior vice president allegedly compiled lewd outtakes from cheerleader photo shoots. He has denied this uh, and obviously was, mm-hmm. is no longer with the team. But so that was kind of, you know, the tip of the iceberg. This has been an ongoing investigation into the team. And as part of this investigation, they found these emails, mostly between uh, Gruden and the former president of the Washington football team, Bruce Allen. Also, as a side note, John's brother, Jay Gruden, was the coach of the Washington football team from 2014 to 2019. So just another level of it. Um, So some of these emails uh, with Gruden and Bruce Allen contained photos of women, um, including a photo of a Washington football team cheerleader only wearing bikini bottoms, topless. Oh, my gosh. And there's, you know, a lot of communication there. And some of the most upsetting aspects come from Allen and Gruden's conversations. Wow. So, So what has the reaction been from the league and ESPN? Uh, You know, the league has spoken out quickly. Uh, They particularly released a statement about his comments about that NFL Players Association president. The racist comments called them appalling and condemned his behavior. Obviously, he, as soon as this was made public, he very uh, quickly stepped down. um, And some former players have also spoken out and, and called for the league to do more. What I think is... Interesting. And of course, you know, this is my opinion, but 
the NFL had all these emails, so it, it's interesting to me that it was waited until it went public uh, before sure. it to be yeah. addressed. Um, obviously, you know, we don't know all the details yet of the timeline, but I, I, th- I think I'm kind of with the former players who are saying more needs to be done. I think only time's going to tell how this continues to unfold. And obviously this Washington football team investigation is ongoing. So there could be more there involving other people. For sure. Lindsay, thank you so much for just going through all of this and breaking it down for me. Of course. Thanks for having me. Next up, digging into the relationship of Hollywood's wildest, most NSFW couple right now. And there's drama surrounding former Little Mix singer Jesse Nelson. Stick around. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, editor-in-chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce season five of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. back now to dig into some buzzy news in and around the music world. First off, there's a couple that's making headlines again. Sometimes I don't know if I'm smiling or cringing when I look at their latest photos. The PDA is a lot. No, I'm not talking about Kourtney Kardashian and Travis Barker, although you're close. Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly have snagged the cover of British GQ Styles Autumn Winter Issue. Luckily, they go beyond the PDA and talk about their relationship. So joining me now to discuss it all is people's Tomas Mier. Hi, Tomas. Hey, Janine. How's it going? I'm good. Well, let's jump right into it. This is the first photo shoot the two of them have done as a couple. It's pretty steamy. No shocker. (laughs) In the interview, Machine Gun Kelly explained his relationship with Megan as, quote, ecstasy and agony for sure. This is definitely an interesting way to describe it. Did he say anything else worth noting? And I'm interested to hear what Megan said. I mean, they're just being fully honest with the relationship. And I think that's what makes this even better because obviously we see all the cool red carpet shoots, but uh, Machine Gun Kelly actually explained that it should be light, but we also go to hell with each other. It's ecstasy and agony for sure. I don't want people to think anything's perfect with us. And then Megan, um, she said she wasn't expecting to meet her soulmate when she first met Machine Gun Kelly, but those paths lined up, those doors opened. Mm, Well, those two are endlessly interesting, but Tomas, there's another story I want to get into, all the controversy surrounding Jesse Nelson. For those who don't know the name, Jesse Nelson was a member of the British girl group Little Mix. They were the first band to win on the British version of The X Factor, but she parted ways from the band back in 2020, I think it was, and now, as of October 8th, she officially released her debut single, Boys, which features rappers Nicki Minaj and music 
music from Diddy. In the wake of her new music video release, though, she's come under fire from Black social media users for black fishing, a term that refers to a non-black person who tans their skin or uses makeup to appear as though they are black. And one TikToker said, black fishing almost feels like a marketing technique at this point. In response to the backlash, we're not only hearing Jesse's response, but also Nicki Minaj's. So before we get into all of that, uh, Tomas, can you describe the music video and why exactly people are upset about how she looks? Yeah, um, so it's interesting because this music video takes place in this like neighborhood and there are scenes where she's like riding along in one of those like low rider bikes um, alongside um, some black folk and Latino folk as well and has her hair um, styled in a way that some people would consider to be a black hairstyle. Her skin does look significantly darker um, mm. than than how she typically looks. So it's it's part of that um, that people were finding issue with, along with the lyrics of the song as well. Oh, wow. So what's this song about, boys? So it's about her liking bad boys. Um, mm-hmm. And she says that she likes guys that are from the hood with um, gold teeth, referring to grills, which if a white person wears grills, then that would be appropriating. So... I would assume she's referring to black men in in the lyrics. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of people found issue with that, um, given that Jesse is not black or biracial. Got it. So on an Instagram Live, Nicki Minaj interviews Jesse on the topic, but also shares her own perspective. So let's take a listen to that. As long as you're not hurting anybody or speaking negatively about anyone's race or culture, you should be able to enjoy your body. Okay, obviously, I want to talk about what Jesse says as well, but I feel like we have to break down Nicki Minaj's comments first. Uh, Nicki has that line that she wouldn't cross, not harming others. So I'm, I'm here for that, of course, but I, I guess I have to challenge her. Is blackfishing unharmful? I mean, because, you know, from where I stand, I don't know. And a lot of people on the internet feel that way as well. So, Tomas, what are fans saying? Fans were very upset with Nikki's response, um, stating basically that why is she the one who's deciding whether or not something is harmful or not? And it's interesting to see somebody like Nikki and Diddy appearing in the music video and kind of co-signing the song and and Jesse and the music video. And uh, basically people on Twitter, um, especially Black Twitter, was very upset with Nikki's response. Mm-hmm. And okay, now let's get into what Jesse herself has to say. Let's take a listen to what she tells Minaj. It actually does really hurt me that that I may have offended people and, and actually like hurt people's feelings just by genuinely celebrating something that I love. And I just want to touch on the whole tanning thing as well. Like, you know, I want people to know that I, in when I was in the video view, like I didn't even have any fake tan on. I'd been in Antigua prior to that for three weeks. And I'm just really lucky as a white girl that when I'm in the sun, I tan so dark. Well, well I'm, I'm glad that she loves celebrating um, black culture. I hope it, you know, goes beyond entertainment. Um, but it's interesting that she says she's hurt. So I... I Almost feels like she's making it about herself a little bit. But, um, you know, Tomas, you've read up on this. What's been the response on the ground to what she had to say? I mean, I think people are very upset uh, with with this response, especially because it's her first single post Little Mix. And um, Little Mix is beloved in um, the UK, also oh, yeah. in the US. But she, they're like the 
they're like the new Spice Girls. I could say that. Maybe I'll get canceled for saying that, but they kind of are. <laughs> um, but um, people were very upset with with how she kind of phrased what she really meant by putting out the song and the music video. And also um, her comment about how she tans as well. She also mentioned that there, this was never an issue when she was in Little Mix. So people were not necessarily very happy with her response. I will say that. Yeah. Well, uh, including our bandmates, it seems, because uh, they unfollowed her on Instagram. So so let's let's talk about that. That's interesting. Just last week, before all this came out, you wrote an article about how she hasn't spoken to her old bandmates since her exit from the group in 2020. She said, quote, I love them. They are my sisters in so many ways. But for the time being, we just don't talk. Uh, is there a backstory here, Tomas? And, and remind us why she left the band in the first place. Yeah, so Jesse left the band back in December and cited um, the toll that it had taken on her mental health. She mm. has been open about her um, body image issues in the past and even did a documentary with the BBC. Um, and it just seemed like the only way to get rid of her poor mental health was to remove herself completely from the group. Um, so that's that was the backstory that was given back in December. And there hadn't seemed to be very much like bad blood between the girls and Jesse. Um, Little Mix had put out a statement saying that they supported her decision. Uh, but over the last few days, they did unfollow her on Instagram. That was People's Tomas Mier on the ever-growing romance between Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox and the controversy surrounding pop star Jesse Nelson. For more on these stories, head over to People.com. And now, something to make you smile. Uh, yesterday, the Boston Marathon made its glorious return to the streets after a hiatus due to the pandemic. Among its 18,000 runners was a Colorado man with one heck of a story to tell— 51-year-old Dan Berlin laced up his shoes like the thousands of others to take part in the 26.2-mile course. But Berlin was diagnosed with a degenerative eye condition at age 7. He eventually lost full sight during his late 20s. So as a blind man, he experienced the grueling race differently. But taking part was made even more special because he was joined by and crossed the finish line with his daughter, Tahelia, beside him. Here's what he told CBS about why he took up the sport and how long Life has changed since. Running to me means a sense of freedom. It's been a way to able to find ability in the face of disability. Just awesome. And and by the way, this is not his first big adventure because he's climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, scaled Machu Picchu, and trekked across the Grand Canyon. So take that for proof that you can do anything you put your mind and your heart into. All right, I'll talk to you all tomorrow. <laughs> 